Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to the first episode of the new PL Principles and Leadership in Business podcast series for 2020. Thank you once again for tuning in this week. I'm Paul, and I run the Amplifier Group, a performance management business focused on working with business leaders, entrepreneurs, and teams to help them improve their business's performance and culture by integrating commercial creativity, that's creativity with a real commercial rationale and reason, into the heart of their business so they can become even more strategic, productive, agile, and commercially successful. We believe business needs a new P&L, one that is as much focused on principles and leadership as it is on profit and loss, because we know if your principles are right and aligned with your purpose and your leadership has a clear vision, focus, strength, and empathy, then your business will be in profit and not loss in so many ways. We've had an incredible start to the new P&L podcast series last year, We've got some more amazing, insightful, and inspirational guests lined up over the coming weeks as we head into 2020. We're kicking off the year this week by speaking to ex-professional rugby and rugby league player and entrepreneur Graham Smith. Raised in Wigan, Graham represented both England and Scotland at age group level, as well as a successful professional rugby career in the English Premiership, before injury forced him to hang up his boots and retire from the game early. Following this, Graham turned his entrepreneurial hand to business, working his way up and through and then leading a successful London marketing production business, the Cyan Group. Graham is also incoming chairman of the IPIA, the Independent Print Industries Association, and president of the BPMA, the British Promotional Merchandising Association, two leading UK industry bodies for two of the largest industries in the UK. Graham has a real passion for raising the standards, professionalism, and performance in business, applying the leadership and high-performance skills he acquired on the rugby field to help transform the businesses and the industries he serves. So hello, Graham, and a very warm welcome to the new P&L. Yeah, hello. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Uh, thanks so very much for making the time today to speak with us on the new P&L. As I stated in the introduction, you are chairman of the IPIA and president of the BPMA, both trade associations for two of the largest leading industries in the UK. So I think it would be great if you could start the podcast by giving listeners a a bit of an overview of what what you do for both of those trade associations. Yeah, um, I think for the IPIA, that's the the Print Industries Association, I joined the council in uh, 2013. Uh, the council is made up of uh, around a dozen to, to um, industry companies mm. who regularly meet to discuss the latest projects, plans and future initiatives for the association and our members. We've got representatives on the council from our three core areas of the membership, which is the print managers, the trade suppliers and the associates. So that we've got a balanced view and to ensure every aspect is considered. Um, the role of the association is to, to proactively work in the best interests of the membership, as well as to sort of challenge the status quo in educating the wider industry for the benefits of using print. Um, the BPMA is no different in terms of its, its output and its goals, and actually is very much aligned in terms of the structure and the setup. Um, the board of directors on the BPMA has 15 to 16 um, member companies, again, representing a broad range from the, the three key areas, which is um, the, the supply chain, mm-hmm. the uh, distributors, and the, the associates that, that makes them succeed. So that's what, that's what I spend my time with on, on those industries. Brilliant. Thank you. You, as I stated in the, uh, in the introduction, you come from a, 
professional sporting background um, and you've represented and played rugby at both a national and uh, domestic premiership level. There's a, there's a huge industry that's built up in business in the last 20 years, especially around sports people translating or transferring or coaching their, their high performance sporting skills and characteristics into a business setting. Coaching companies and leaders on how they can use these skills to make their businesses more successful and perform at a higher level. And I'm quite fascinated by this whole industry and whether, I guess, whether it actually works. And if these skills that are learned on the on the sporting field are really transferable to a business setting. So as you're now MD of your own business, Cyan Group and chairman of the IPIA and the uh, the BPMA, I'd love to get your first-hand take on if and how you actually apply these sports principles to business. Yeah, um, it is an interesting question, but I, I think that I was very fortunate to have been exposed to a wide range of coaches and mentors during my sporting career, from the age of, of 13 all the way through to, to the end of my career. Um, each team that I was playing for had a slightly different way of looking at things mm-hmm. um, and a different approach, but fundamentally the combined knowledge had so many common features which were ingrained into me. So when the rugby career unfortunately finally came to an end, I was faced with working outside of sport. It, it wasn't a deliberate or conscious decision at first. It just seemed to be the natural way for me to, to apply skills and um, how I dealt with things into this new environment. Right. Um, the reassuring thing for me was that they seemed to work. And I, and I found um, quickly that I was making good progress in this new alien environment. Um, but it was all through just applying these uh, skills and principles that I'd learned from the sporting background. So what would be some, you know, I guess some examples of some of those principles that you would take into the, or that you did take into the business world and, and how has adopting or integrating these skills, how does it make you and others a a better leader, a more principled leader, a a more high performance leader? Yeah, I think, I think one of the, the key areas for me was sport is, it's about understanding and recognizing that no one is perfect and we are very, very self analytical as, as sports individuals, because, um, I was a sports professional. I was a, um, I had a particular role or position to, to fulfill, mm-hmm. but I was also very, very aware as to what my role and impact of the, the bigger team was of, of what I could do. So I knew if I particularly wasn't, uh, breaking it down very simple terms of passing, kicking or doing any of the defense wasn't working, I would analyze myself, be aware that I hadn't got it right and work on those skill sets to, so that my role and my effectiveness as part of the bigger team yes. um, was working better for everybody. So it was, it's, first of all, it was just looking at yourself and being quite reflective as to, um, you know, perhaps dropping the, the ego and recognizing that, you know, you're all right to not be perfect at things. Yep. But what can you do to improve? So you will have wins, you will have losses. As, as a team, those will happen. But individually, that will also happen. You will have successes. You will have things that didn't work quite so well. So um, I think it's important that you recognize quite quickly in sport that you need to be confident, but arrogance is not you know, something um, that, that goes down well. And I think there's a, there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. Yeah. And I would um, hope to think that we uh, sports people sometimes get misrepresented as the arrogant but and ultimately what we are trying to be is just confident in what we are doing and how we do it so by recognizing that we have strengths and weaknesses working out quickly what they are what our role is in in the team and aligning those um 
aligning them then to our standards of ourselves, our personal standards. I'm, I'm a huge uh, believer, as you said earlier in the intro, of standards. And what does that mean for me? Mm-hmm. It means um, these are the values that I like to live by and work at. Now, if you're part of a bigger team who share those values, you're going to get a lot more buy-in from everybody. You're not feeling like you're pulling in the wrong direction or, or pulling in, in it away from anybody's natural belief system. So yes. if we can align those um, to the bigger cause of the, of the company, then I think you get a lot uh, broader success. So I think there's a huge parallels there that are drawn from sport um, where you just focus on those elements and, and um, ultimately the results take care of themselves by just keep self-analyzing, looking at things, better ways and analyzing, not just analyzing the losses, but analyzing the wins. Yes. Okay. I mean, part of the, part of the challenge, I guess, with any training or business performance methodology and whether that is sports related or any other training methodology that goes into a business, it works best when, as you've just articulated, when there is a consistent adherence to it over time and the Cyan Group and the trade associations benefit from you being an ex-sports person so you can push that methodology day after day after day, whether it's self-awareness or whatever it happens to be, self, self-reflection. But when you're bringing someone into a business, one of the big flaws in training in my mind, and we experience it with Amplify Group as well, is that everything is learnt in a workshop, however fantastic it might be, often drifts within a week or a month or a year after that workshop. So how does a business continue to seed and keep these fundamental, in your instance, sporting principles going in a business month after month? How do you keep people motivated, keep people adhering to it, keep people enthusiastic about it? Yeah, I think that's that's an important point. I think that we all know that the, the winds of, of going on a, on a training course with everyone together in the business and you feel amazing, you're all sort of high-fiving and everyone feels aligned. And that is really what it is. It's, it's finding that alignment in the values. Yeah. Um, utilizing, you know, it's, I think it's a mindset element, learning and development and training. And, be, you know, it's a mindset where you actually, you just have to be a sponge and crave learning. You know, understanding, learning from others' accumulation then over time gives you different ways, different experiences to deal with the situations that present themselves. So the learning should never stop and your mindset is should never be that you've uh, come to the top of your profession, that you know everything because there's always someone around the corner who's perfecting um, a, a better way of achieving uh, what you've done in, in, a, in a quicker, faster, uh, sorry, a, a more cost-effective way of doing things. So I think the mindset is... Um, something that we are all constantly on uh, a learning journey and just we should just need to make sure that we're um, constantly reviewing our performance both in a positive way I mean if I don't want to review things for the sake of reviewing it but mm-hmm. if we're um, if we just keep not accepting the the how it is now is that is the best way of always doing it then I think we'll continually move forward and then you've got to be just be truly honest with yourself and and just look at our roles, look at our, what is our role as part of the, the, the bigger scheme. We're not going to be able to, to fight wars and battles on ourselves, but we will be able to have break that down and, and do small wins. But as long as we understand that where we are on that process, um, that we all are working together. I, I like working with um, in the associations because I'm working with what would be in everyday business deemed as my rivals um, and my competitors, you know, but working on the associations, both in print and promotional industry, I'm working next, next, you know, side by side with a lot of these, sharing best practices, sharing ideas, yeah. but I'm also learning as we go. So if you have that mindset to say, okay, 
it's these are my my precious and I'm not going to share them with anyone you're on a very limited time frame as to how precious the, those goods will be yeah. if you actually look at it the other way around and, and understand that actually there's worthy rivals out there people I can learn from who are my peers my my competition in inverted commas that's where the the real strengths will come from and then you realign all those bits of information that you've picked up funnel them into your own principles of what works for you and what you know where your values are yeah. and you'll come out with a something that works for yourself and it's not always about um copying somebody else because that seems to be working for them their values could be completely different and lots of variables could be different so just be true to yourself and actually um have that mindset that uh, we are we are we can always improve or or we can focus on improvement whether we achieve it or not but we've just got to have that mindset that that is something we're open to okay uh, i guess thinking about that principle in the wider industry, the print and publishing sector, according to the research I did this week, is I think the fifth largest industry in the UK. So, you know, it's 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 a huge part of the UK economy. And I guess as such, it has a a wider responsibility as an industry in terms of its commitment to key business and community and national challenges we have. You know, I guess sustainability is a good example of one of these. As Head of the Industry Association, the IPIA in this sector, you yourself effectively have a key role to play in influencing the general direction of the industry, collaboratively working with your with your members in the wider industry in terms of shaping its attitudes towards issues like sustainability. So to go back to the sporting principle, you are in some respects, I guess, managing a huge team of very diverse individuals with multiple agendas. What responsibility do you believe you have and the IPIA has as a as a figurehead and a leader industry, uh, a leader in the industry to guide and encourage your members to address these wider societal changes and challenges and ensure your industry plays its part in helping society to address changes and challenges like sustainability? Yeah, I think every industry, what makes it interesting is every company is slightly different within that, every member company. Yeah. Um, this whether you know where they feature in the supply chain to the people they employ but when we're working in the association it's important that we work hard to define the specific guidelines or standards which can be transferable across the industry and membership um in the ipa a we've introduced a, a certification scheme and, and the purpose of the scheme is to identify the very the varied differences of standards that we think are the core um values and the standards that we would consider you know best practice yes. now that could be you're a, a multinational a, you know hundreds of million pounds turnover or you're just a one-man band um it doesn't matter these are values that we're saying this is the industry and this is the standards these are the professionalism these are we are saying this is our core this is our value and that's really the role of an association and and you know ultimately the the council and the and the um, secretariat to sort of really define those and then live them out so it's we've got to understand there are differences in the world and that's what makes this world a, a fantastic place to have diversity yeah. Yeah. and various things coming together but we've still got a core it, our industry is um the the print and promotional merchandise are very very similarly aligned um in that we've got to really highlight the benefits of what our industry defines as our standards now the, the issue of sustainability is certainly not new but it's gathering momentum. And, and again, it's something we're focused on within in both associations to offer training and support to the membership. You know, what is the true cost or what's the impact of a production-based supply chain? You know, it needs, to, it needs careful communication because there's some elements which are 
getting the focus at the moment, such as the use of plastic and the industry is working through alternatives to give the end users, the, the ultimate buyers, the informed choices. But mm-hmm. if we can facilitate the vehicle to supply the informed messaging to educate the end users, then we'll be, you know, more than doing our, our bit, but we'll be influencing and changing societal demands then for true sustainable production options. So it's, it's just understanding the bigger picture of what we can direction where we're heading but understanding that there is diversity and there is lots of variables in within our sector, within our membership that ultimately makes us what we are. So yes. um, okay. one of the, I guess, informal standards that the print and publishing sector has always been recognized for is, you know, it's creativity. It's been both those sectors or that integrated sector has been built on its commitment to creativity over many, many generations. Do you think, creativity has been stifled as a result of all of the commercial challenges in the industry over the past 15 years. You know, the tremendous impact digital marketing has had on the more traditional print and publishing industries. And and if you do, how can industry leaders today reinvigorate the passion for creativity that's made such a big contribution to the historical success of your industry? I think... You know, despite the growth of, of digital, you know, print has actually had to learn how to re-establish itself and um, sort of dress itself down, analyse what our strengths were, what our weaknesses were again. So it's going back to the sporting yeah. analogies there. But, you know, when it's executed well, print is a valued and trusted medium which allows multiple opportunities for um, to show creativity and there's different finishes, there's different techniques, there's, you know, things are getting produced faster um, with better finishing techniques on in line so that you're turning things around quicker. You know, the, the run lengths are all coming down. So we've, we've, we've had the demands of the industry sort of put on, you know, I think 15 years about there, we were looking at the, it's going to be, it was on the receiving end of a push for a paperless office. You know, digital is going to just revolutionize everything out with the print and in with the digital. And now you're in a position where, you know, digital is, is finding its balance. You know, it's, it's all had the, the sort of the, the big push and now it's settling back because people on their phones and their devices are nonstop bombarded with messages, nonstop. And people are able to just r- remove those messages by a little swipe left. I haven't even read the message. All I've done is a headline mm-hmm. and in my head I've gone, not for me, swipe, gone. All that, that creativity and, and content and proofreading that could have gone in that messaging has just been lost. Yes. With print, you've got a unique opportunity to sort of really grab the intention by recognizing we need it to be more personal. We need to be more uh, specific, more relevant. And actually then if you're carving through and you're personalizing something that's really targeted to, to the recipient, they're more likely to, to read it, engage with it, rather than just file it in, in, their, um, uh, in their bins ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what we want to do is, is actually reestablish what our strengths are as an industry, what we can do about it, and actually you know, put it together as part of the marketing mix. The most successful areas are where we actually bring together technologies as part of um, an integrated um, communica- communication services. And that's why the, the IPA, as an example, launched Epic, which is the everything's possible in integrated communications. It was mm-hmm. to hail the unique opportunities offered by print as part of the integrated marketing mix. I guess, you know, regardless of sector, the fourth industrial revolution, AI, automation, machine learning, and so on, it's going to affect us in many, many ways. And that evolution, every new evolution presents challenges and opportunities. Mm. And it's about how you perceive change and then turn it to your advantage. That's so often um, about the characteristics inherent in the leadership team of a business. But this particular fourth industrial revolution is going to be 
huge. So how do you think the business leaders of today, regardless of industry, um, how do you think they need to develop their new set of skills to work this way or their way through the industrial revolution? And if so, how do they acquire these skills when we are all in many respects, I, I guess, still trying to figure out where we are in this process and what it will mean to the industries we work in? How do we develop those new skills and how do we know where to go to find these new skills? Yeah, I, I think, again, this is uh, one of the key roles of an association is to, to consistently uh, keep up to date with the trends of the marketplace so that our, our members are best informed. It's all about managing expectations. The, you know, the, how can we expect our members to go and communicate the messaging of our standards as an industry if they have not been trained on what they are and what they actually mean? Yes. I mean, new technologies are, are sometimes what I call a shiny. You know, for many marketeers, they're, like, they're all like magpies and often attracted to a shiny and, oh, what's this? And, oh, what's that? And, and off they go on, on little tangents. But rather than taking every new technology, the print industry really needs to embrace and, and has embraced some of the developments, but also perfecting and mastering some of the other existing technologies which have been longstanding. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean we have to ignore the new technologies. Quite the opposite. I think we can embrace them. Um, and work with them to make a, a complete solution for the marketing, um, you know, like a, a core, a core solution. But the, ultimately, the, as an example, augmented reality. You know, most people recognise that that's a digital tool. It's not yeah. really a, a print tool. But ultimately, the, the best thing for augmented reality is when the trigger, the, the you know, the, the scan, the wherever it's going to come from is from a printed piece you know so if the printed trigger it could be a promotional merchandise mug it could be a letter it could be an invite but that having the trigger so when you open up the app on your device that then drives the traffic to the digital platform so it's basically using print to drive the traffic through to a digital innovation and then technologies then you can show the weird and wonderfuls the the how-to video or um, it could be used for compliance. It could be used for all sorts of reasons. But ultimately, that's pairing up new technology with old technology, which is which is ultimately complementing the whole process together. So I would say it's understanding where your priorities lie and what you see as the ultimate goal. Where do you want the industry to be directing? How can we educate it? And what skills can we use to the benefit of, of delivering what we're trying to achieve? I guess when, when there's any evolution in industry... Um, some businesses are very successful, some fail, and the US, the United States as a, as a business culture have been historically renowned for accepting failure as part of the developmental process. So, you know, the principle being that as long as you learn from it and integrate those learnings into your next business idea, it's okay to fail. Traditionally, Britain has been more reticent, I guess, in that, in that regard. Failure is not seen as a, necessarily as a, precursor to future success so i wonder you know in your role as chairman of the ipia you speak with dozens of business leaders every month what's your take on whether as a business culture we are still afraid of failure in the uk or have we got better at accepting accepting it learning from it and turning it into something positive in our next venture i think we're still on the 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 fence of turning on turning the people's perception about failure i think as a as a industry as and as a country and as a, as a sort of psychology we seem to be very um scared of failure scared to to, to be honest and open up that actually you know things are not always going to go the right way that, or the way that we've planned mm -hmm. you know there are so many variables in the world and things that are outside of our control and that's not to use that as a an excuse but it's to also to understand 
what we could have done to achieve the better outcome. So I think we are getting there. So I don't think it's all bad. I think there's, there are quite a lot of successful businesses and it's probably a lot of them are, um, have adopted or the ones who are quicker to adopt the mentality that it is okay. Um, you're not going to win everything. That's not reality. I think there's, there's a, there's a detachment from people who just think I'm positive. I'm going to do all this. And I think, sorry, positivity is actually one of the things that should come from this as, as being a real driver um, to achieving uh, recognition and understanding that everything is not going to always go your way. But that doesn't mean that's a failure. What is a failure? You know, failures mean you set off on a target or a journey to achieve something. You didn't quite make it, but there could have been external factors that you just hadn't considered. So learning from it, yeah. being like the sponge, being aware that, that it's going to be a bumpy road to get there, but you will get there as long as your values are true, your standards are true, your principles are true, you will get there, but you're not going to win every game. You know, this is, this is not, um, every team is not the Liverpool football club at the moment where they seem to be winning everything. Mm-hmm. That's not a normal <laughs> environment. There's quite a lot of other competitions going on where that's not the, the way. And it's, it's just about, just be available and be open to the fact that that's going to happen. Your cars have got bumpers for a reason. People are going to make some mistakes. That's going to happen. If you keep making the same mistakes, then you should wonder, perhaps, is there, is there something that you need to realign in your process and your journey that uh, will avoid that in future? Yes. Um, I think it's, it's just this honesty and just, just get it, get over it. It's all right to, to not win every time. Um, yeah, it does seem to, it's getting better though. I do think it's getting better. I guess, you know, I mean, I, as you can probably pick up, I'm, I'm from New Zealand and I am a proud all black supporter as, as most New Zealanders <laughs> are. Um, yeah. and it's always fascinated me actually, although the all blacks are renowned clearly for winning the last world cup, we were taken out by England and, it's always fascinated me as to how two things, I guess, with all blacks and other rugby teams, but how they continue to stay motivated when they're successful, which is probably the, you know, the, the contrast, the other side of the coin to what we're talking about. But also when you're used to winning business or sport, how you rebuild yourself after a, an unexpected loss, if you like, you know, if you are in business and you do lose a major client or you are comfortable, you've been, successful in your business for many, many years, and then you hit a, a major bump that isn't perhaps expected. How do you re-motivate, re-engage, re-inspire yourself and your team? And I guess the quick direct question to you is, how can you apply those sporting principles to business to, to help re-engage your employees to say, it was a failure, it, you know, we did drop the ball, or these things were unanticipated, but we can still make it. We are still fundamentally strong. Yeah, and I think New Zealand are, you know, widely recognised in, in rugby circles as being the the pioneers or the, the target setters of, of standards that everybody, every other um, country wants to adhere to or aspire to. And there's a, there's a mindset of um, whether it's a perception or it's a persona that they instill, that this standard, this confidence, this respecting the, the fern, you know, the, the, on their shirt, they, they when they put that shirt on, they fill with pride and they become the very epitome of what everyone is aspiring to be. They, mm-hmm. they believe that that's what they're going to be and they're going to go out there and win. You know, there's no team in the right mind that would write off a New Zealand comeback when they're 10 minutes to go and they're, they're seven or 10 points down. But everybody in the, in the black shirt firmly believes that they will get there because they know what they're training for. They've trained in, in situations where things don't always go right because they understand, recognize, and accept 
that you will have tries scored against you. You will have some some losses. You will have some some things that have not gone exactly as you planned because life is not like that. We're we're working in sport. We're working in life where there's so many variables outside of your control. And I think on the day when everybody is working together and the 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 team is working together, the individuals are excelling in every single area of their roles that you're going to have successes and you can be punching above your weight in some business uh, transactions and business deals that you get. You, you could look around at the end of that in the debrief and go, to be honest, I've no idea how we've just won that. <laughs> but the reality is you've won that because everybody on the day was working in absolute, they got their A game, they got their top of performance yeah. out, but it comes from this mindset that that is something that you can do and you yeah. can all achieve that. And I think New Zealand just have this, understanding and recognition that don't worry I'm, I'm going to focus on what I'm doing because I know to the left of me and the right of me the person in front or behind is 100% doing their role on the same understanding that I'm going to be doing mine so this continuity and this consistency of working together means that you will win together but guess what you will also have times when you'll lose together and to bring yourself back up from that it's to not to to overanalyze what went wrong because actually what went wrong maybe that just that you hadn't allocated that perhaps the opposition or the people you're up against in business may just get everything right on that day. Mm-hmm. And I think there's certain elements like that, that the England performance in, in the World Cup, for, sorry for those who are not rugby followers, but England just played absolutely the perfect game altogether, yeah. unified as one. Now, New Zealand, I've never seen a New Zealand team not being able to deliver a result against a, a team like that. And it just happens. So I think New Zealand suddenly, does that make them a bad team? Of course it doesn't. Does that mean that they're going to suddenly drop down the world rankings? I, I'm absolutely convinced it will not. So I think it's, it's understanding that part of the journey is that you're going to have some, neg- some, some downtimes, you're going to have some positives, but you've got to have that inner confidence that, that just says, if we work hard enough you know, and smart enough, and working on our, our things that we know we're good at, the things that we need to improve on. Um, there's always room for improvement, but we know what's required for us to win, and I'm going to show you how to do that next time. And there's that just belief that's going to come through. So in, in business, I would always say you're going to have some highs, you're going to have some lows. Yeah. Salespeople are, the, are the, the, like the grand old joke of York. You know, if it's going well and they're up, they're up, but when they're down, they're down. You know, and I think you get these sort of, ups and downs in life but it's about looking at the bigger picture and making sure that you know ultimately be yourself be positive be committed to what you're trying to deliver and you will get the results so when you're you know you you can look across your membership and the you've talked a lot today about mindset and a culture and the how how important that is to to recognize self-reflection and and self-awareness and and understand without too much analysis where where you've gone wrong and what you need to improve on but uh, whether it's a Cyan group or whether it's your membership in the IPIA, there will be new people coming into the Cyan group that perhaps don't share that mindset or need to to learn and understand why that mindset's important. And there'll be businesses, members within the IPIA who, who don't have that mindset. So what advice would you give to employees coming into the Cyan group or how do you work with them or advice you would give IPIA members who perhaps don't have that culture of self-awareness and self-reflection how do they start going down the road of building a changing their mindset to creating a more high performance culture yeah i think i think defining your own philosophy defining your own standards of performance defining what it is you're in business for what is your purpose what is that for ultimately that's got to be your guiding light and um there is 
the IPIA have been very fortunate to work with uh, Peter Docker, who has, who has been involved with a number of, of um, uh, self-help books and, and yes. management books. And he's really inspirational about the, uh, the, the cause of what you're trying to achieve and why you're trying to, your just cause and your whys and, and working through things like that. But ultimately, as long as you're being true to yourself, you've got to be positive. You've got to be understanding that what you're trying to achieve will happen, will work. You know, if you're, if you're negative or, uh, or unsure of what you're trying to deliver, you're not going to get there. You're not going to be there. You've got to be absolutely convinced and commit to excellence that you're going to get there. Mm. You know, you've got to be organized. You've got to have done the right training. You've got to have been prepared. Don't just be thinking on the now, the now, the now. What's, what's my next problem? What's the next problem? You know, f- you know ultimately, you're not dealing with the, the problems. If you don't lift your head up and see where you want to be heading, you're never going to get there. Yes. So I would say, you know, ultimately that the advice would be, again, get involved with an association. If you're a standalone and you're working on your own, that's not a, a successful way to be operating. You've got to share your ideas, share the energy, share the enthusiasm from other people. You've got to learn from people in the industry um, or different industries, you know, learn mm-hmm. from um, what works and what doesn't work. Because ultimately what you've got the chance to be, if you're a startup, you've got the chance to cherry pick all the different elements that you want to be in business, that you want to be yourself. Some people like working for themselves because they can get to define how they want to be and what they want yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, if you're working for a company that shares your values, then great. I mean, ultimately, that's, that's when you've got the win-win as well. You don't have all the necessary associated concerns and, and worries of running your business, mm-hmm. but you're still operating in your own um, silo as an employee, working together as part of a team. So yeah. I think it's just share, share experiences talk to people, um, find common ground, talk to association, find out what training and, and elements you might think. Talk, you know, talk to some mentors, get to, get to ask the, your associations, who can I speak to about this? I've got this problem and I want to talk about that. There'll be other people who have gone through that will be more than happy to share um, their positive experiences and also what they haven't done so well because everyone yes. thinks that successful companies have only got everything right. That isn't true. Yeah. So don't, don't be... Um, don't be scared to have a go, but just be yourself, be positive, make yourself prepared and just um, be fair and flexible, but believe in yourself. I, I, I completely agree. I mean, one of, one of the, the conversations that we've had a lot over the last few weeks in the new P&L is about principles and leadership and business. They don't have to be about grand gestures, you know, very large, I don't know, very large charitable donations as an example, you know, yeah. principles and leadership is as much about the accumulation of very little things every day, right down to the basics of how you greet people, how you treat people, paying invoices on time and so on. Little things that together paint a very big picture of a principled business and one that is led by principled leadership, if you like. And there's a series of quotes that I that I love, all with a similar sentiment. You know, if you want to see the true measure of someone, watch how they treat their inferiors, not their equals, and you know, all things around that area. So I wondered, in the IPIA's code of conduct, it offers an assurance of a member's good business practice, um, and you encourage that, that that is recognized as a mark of a company that understands the, the nature of its uh, relationships with other customers, suppliers, and, and so on. So how do you, as an industry association, encourage members to be their best selves every day in their business relationships and, and have that code of conduct when they walk in the door at nine o'clock and when they walk out the door at five or six? Yeah, I think it's important for any code of conduct or any association that's 
you know, we, we are paid for ultimately and funded by those member companies. So it's not something that we're trying to create uh, in a little silo and then instill it and enforce it on our member companies. What we're actually trying to do is define a set of standards and rules and regulations that we all think is just fair. You know, we're, we're in business together. We want to succeed together. I don't want to be, um, you know, operating my own standards and then someone is in, in part of the supply chain lets me down because they haven't followed the same standards. Yes. Um, we've got uh, an industry in you know, print and promotional products where proofing and the proofing process is very much part of managing the expectation for the end user. So we've got the supply chain, the distributors or, or print managers, and then the end users, the people who are buying the item. And the proofing process is a core ingredient of that process. However, and this is the, the, the startling thing, it's surprising how many uh, companies out there in our industry are not adopting even those basic principles and standards. So there's, there's, there are definite guidelines that we as an association need to say, look, our code of conduct, if you are going to be part of this association and enjoy the benefits of being mm-hmm. part of this like-minded group, there are basic standards that you've got to be doing. There's, you know, the timekeeping in, in, in sports, you don't want to be turning up after the kickoff, you know, because obviously mm-hmm. that's not going to be good to anyone, you know. Um, but those are laughable, but actually in business, it's exactly the same. Those principles should be laughable. Yes. You know, the fact that you should have a written agreement with your supply chain about what your payment terms, so that everybody at the start of a, a process or an order is under no illusion when they're going to get paid and, and that it's going to be on those timeframes. Yes. You know, and it needs to be signed. It needs to be approved. It needs to be thoroughly thought out, not just, a, oh, uh, are you going to invoice me at all for that? You know, it's, oh, have I not invoiced you? No, there shouldn't be any of those gray areas. Yeah. The the sprinkle, the, the your own little um, stamp of personality you want to be doing, your USPs, should not be deviating from those core ingredients. And an association yeah. ultimately should give you that guideline of what it, it means to represent a professional operation within a professionally run industry. And ultimately then, all the expectations that you are working towards about delivering on time with the right quality in the, in the right price area will all be taken care of. There will be givens rather than, um, oh, that's nice that you got it to me on time, you know, or it's the right quality and my color, you know, of the, of the red is the right red. How, how lucky is that? It never used to happen. You know, we, we should just not accept those um, as standards that they are, they are not something that we, we should accept. So yes. I think it's just important that have the standards, define them, allow people individuality, free, individual freedom to be able to express how they want to see their USPs. But as an industry, we need to say, these are our standards. This is what we work to. And then people can buy with confidence from those companies. Okay. So just as a sort of linked to that as a final question, if you were speaking to a startup in your industry today, a young woman or a young man who had an idea and the passion and the vision and the drive to believe they can make a difference in your industry and they'll do things differently, what advice would you give them in terms of building their business with the right principles and leadership characteristics for the outset? How do they, they've got a great idea, but how do they weave the right principles and leadership into their business from the beginning? Again, I think it's, it's, um, it's got to come from your own philosophy. What is your own strat- uh, standards that you want to be uh, adhering to? So you could have a different idea or a different way of running things, but that's fine, but still be strong and firm so that you're always when you're operating and when you're actually moving forward, you're being true to yourself. Because the biggest issue is if you're going off on tangents that are deviating away from what feels right for yourself, ultimately you're going to come unstuck at some point in the future. So just got to be 
far-sighted, but you've also got to be near-sighted. So you, you need to have a good blend of looking for the future, but looking at the now, uh, making sure that you're properly organized. And I would heartily recommend getting involved in a trade association from the onset so that you can discuss these ideas with, because there's going to be people there who have been there and gone through the whole process before and the pain and the, the, the highs and lows, and maybe even suggest things, being like that sponge and creative learning, that yes. you might pick up things that you hadn't thought of. Yeah. So rather than actually reinvent things, still have your idea, still have that passion. But when you're committed to your excellence of delivering what your philosophy and your standards are, then there's, a, there's going to be a higher chance of success because you know what you're trying to achieve and, and how you're going to achieve it. So you've plotted through the whole process of what skills I need to deliver. Do I need to employ people to deliver some of those skills because I can't do everything? Or is it manageable through technology or is it manageable mm -hmm. through whatever it is? But just um, engage with the association so that you can actually maximize your chance at being a success because the associations want you to be success. We want, we want, you know, we want companies to grow and to flourish within our, our memberships because ultimately that's, that's what we're all there for doing because yeah. um, driving the standards up from everyone makes us all um, raise our game and actually it's better for everyone. Yeah. Graham, that's, um, that's been a very interesting interview. Thank you very much for that. Very welcome. Very welcome. Nice to speak to you. And um, yeah, good to, good to share some of the, the thoughts and insights. So thank you. Yeah, no, thank you very much for your time and, uh, and, and your views. Um, before we sign off, for any of you listening who would like to understand in more detail what Graham and the BPMA or the IPIA do, you can go to ipia.org.uk or bpma.co.uk. You can also check out Graham's day job. Um, I don't know how he's got time for that as well, but at the Cyan Group, that's cyan-group.com. And finally, before we go, quick word from the sponsors of this podcast, sponsored this week by UK multimedia design and animation studio, Kamuka. You can check them out at kamuka.com. It's C-A-M-O-U-K-A.com. Thanks again for listening to the new P&L, Principles and Leadership for Business podcast. And finally, thank you for all your support so far in 2019. We had an amazing start to the series last year, and we've got some fantastic uh, discussions lined up for 2020. If you have any questions or you just want to discuss how we can bring amplified creative thinking to your business, get in contact with us. All the details are on our website, amplifiedcreativity.com. We'd love to hear from you. And finally, if you'd like to consider a specific topic related to the new P&L or you'd like us to interview you as well, let us know. We'd be very happy to chat on that too. So I'm Paul from the Amplifier Group. Happy New Year, and I hope you tune in again next week.